Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have your church be closed against the will of the people in your church? Can you imagine what it would be like? Let's just sit for a moment and think about gathering in a place with many of the same people for decades on end, being in prayer together, watching each other get married, uh, bury the people that you love, baptize the babies that you, you come to love and raise in the faith. And then to one day have somebody from outside of that church community show up and say, this church is now closed and you can't worship here anymore. Can you imagine what that must be like? Um, this is a scenario that I've, I've reported on a little bit over the last few months. I talked about Fifth Avenue in Virginia and Struthers in Ohio. I talked about Surf City in, in California and uh, what a couple of the larger churches here in Oklahoma are dealing with. Uh, there are dozens of churches in the, across the United Methodist Church in the United States and abroad that are dealing with this very question of uh, how do we respond to the threat of an organization that threatens to, to kick us out of these buildings that we have built and maintained for dozens, if not hundreds, of years. Latest addition to this two Sundays ago was uh, Trinity United Methodist Church in Eugene, Oregon. Now, this is my old stomping grounds, the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference. I served in, in Idaho, but on a yearly basis, I would drive west and deal with a lot of these clergy and these people. It's a very far-left progressive uh, uh, annual conference, and what one might think is that this congregation being closed is some kind of recalcitrant, um, far-right-leaning uh, congregation that needed to get shut down, and you could not be more wrong. Here's the article that most people saw at the beginning. Trinity United Methodist Church in Eugene suddenly and permanently closes, and you notice right here that is the Reconciling Ministries Network flag. That is, uh, if for those who aren't in the know, that is the sign of all congregations who have chosen to align with critical uh, gender theory, uh, who think that the traditional understanding of human sexuality and sin is wrong, and they are on the right side of history. This is a progressive, far-left congregation that is being shut down. What on earth is going on here? Here's what the article says. People in the pews at Trinity United Methodist in Northwest Eugene this week heard an unexpected announcement. Church officials were closing down the congregation immediately. Trinity's pastor never arrived to lead the Sunday service. Instead, John Tucker, a superintendent for the Crater Lake District of the conference, announced that the church was closing for good. Quote, as of today, property, both real and personal, purchased by Trinity Church are under the authority possession. <laughs> you know what? Why don't I just play you the actual video in case it's just it's too weird? Here's what such an event looks like. Members of the Trinity United Methodist Church in Eugene, Oregon. You will notice the pastoral team is not here today. Sorry for I the audio. To convey an unfortunate but necessary decision that has been made by the Oregon Idaho Annual Conference District Superintendent, Bishop Cedric Bridgeport, and the District Board of Location and Property. A combination of realities has led us to this decision. This includes difficulty electing trusted leaders, exhaustion from existing leaders, a culture of distrust that includes anonymous agents seeking to undermine the pastoral team, and a lack of trust in staff. Therefore, 
are exercising paragraph 2549, 3B, in the United Methodist School of Discipline, and closing the Trinity United Methodist Church effective immediately. This is, this was not the plan. Let me finish. You see him getting all worked up. This was not the plan, but recent realities have forced this decision upon us. The FISH program, the Egan Mormon Shelter, and other entities operating in the facilities will be able to continue as the conference trustees ponder the future. As of today, the property, both real and personal, purchased by the Trinity Church, are under the authority, possession, and responsibility of the annual conference trustees. There will be no worship services going forward. Can't worship no more. Pastoral care will be offered to those who would like to request it. We may hold a celebration of life for this church in the future at a time when we feel like it can be done uh, with grace and compassion. Can you imagine? Can you imagine some guy <laughs> calls himself your district superintendent? getting up there and uh, telling you you can't worship there anymore and telling you that you're a toxic, dysfunctional church and that they are within their rights to close you down. He started off by speaking to the authority that he held by uh, naming the bishop under which he serves. That's Cedric Bridgeforth. He is a gay man who has been put in the office of bishop despite the clear language in the Book of Discipline saying that that's inappropriate. So they don't care about the Book of Discipline there. Uh, for fairness's sake, Trinity Church didn't seem to care about it much either as a reconciling church, but that doesn't matter now because they've been closed. Why on earth would they be closed? Let's read a little bit more of this article. The video was posted to the church's YouTube channel. That's what we just watched, and I'm sorry about the audio. That's just there's nothing to be done. I'm not good at editing audio. Uh, church, church members can be seen standing with a few trying to interject. I was shocked, said Laura Thurston, who says she's attended Trinity since 2008. There were many tears because the majority of us are over 70. For some, this might be their last church, and then it closes under them. None of us know what to do. If we want to go to another church or just forget the whole thing, again, can you imagine? The conference declined an interview request, but provided a statement saying that the decision reflected challenges finding people willing to take leadership possessions as well as, quote, anonymous agents seeking to undermine the pastoral team. All of a sudden, I'm getting flashbacks to all this conference language about uh, misinformation, disinformation uh, in, in local congregations. They, they have these insidious actors spreading bad information. Uh, what do you think the chances are? One anonymous critic has used a website, Save Trinity. We're going to look at that in a minute. It's, it's a savetrinityeugene.org if you want to check that out yourself. To accuse the conference and church leaders of trying to force the congregation to sell the building, the website's author also argues that the conference has forced other congregations to give up their buildings in the region. Quote, our church is under attack, they wrote. We are one of the more progressive congregations in Eugene and have hosted the Egan Warming Center, Fish Food Pantry, Trinity Free Store, and countless others. They are trying to sell our building out from under us. In an FAQ shared on Trinity's website, Tucker said those churches voted to close and were in different situations. Groups that use the space to provide services to the community, uh, we're familiar with these arguments. Next paragraph, before the closure, the pastor and the congregation did hold a town hall style meeting to discuss selling the church to Eugene School District 4J. 
according to their newsletter. The building in the two-acre property's market value is nearly $4.8 million, according to the Lane County Assessor's Office. According to the Save Trinity website, community members are planning to protest the closure on Sunday, November 26th. That was this last Sunday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the church's front lawn. I have some footage of that that local news got. I'll play that in a second. Thurston, the longtime attendee, said Trinity's numbers dwindled following the pandemic, and she estimated average attendance to be around 40. Still, she said the majority of people there wanted the church to stay open. Quote, we're all aware of churches closing, she said. We thought we could at least drag it out for another year or so, but it was a downhill fight. So this uh, got obvious attention because this is not just a conservative, uh, unhappy church being closed. You remember Fifth Avenue, they were starting the disaffiliation process and the bishop <laughs> just showed up and said, no, we're going to close you instead. This is a church that ideologically aligned just fine with the United Methodist Church, but they saw that the conference had designs on selling their property because it's worth just shy of $5 million dollars. And what you've got here, I don't know if you saw my reporting on Surf City United Methodist, but they also uh, became aware of a conference plan to start um, liquidating assets in order to keep themselves afloat. So this is something that Chris Ritter has called connectional cannibalism. He actually saw this and posted this tweet that you should see here, another example of cannibalistic connectionalism in the United Methodist Church. So the original post here is from Chris Lehman, where he posted that article that we just now looked at. Talbot Davis, a conservative clergy in uh, North Carolina, he uh, he posted it and he tagged Jeremy Smith, who is uh, a, a guy on in the West, Western jurisdiction who has the blog hackingchristianity.com or .net. He, um, he is a very far left guy, an apologist for a lot of this stuff. So UM uh, Jeremy responded to the call out with um, something accusing the church of being racists because they refused the leadership of the Native American appointment. He didn't use the word racist. It was implied, not, not said explicitly. But then this, that tweet no longer exists because he deleted it. And he says, for accountability, rather than just ghosting and moving on, I had a few details wrong on a previous tweet about an Oregon church. I delete it and will repost when I know more and I'm not relying on a single source for your information. So, hey, you know what? That's better than Cynthia Astle could do whenever she got caught lying. So, you know, kudos to Jeremy uh, for admitting that he gave some bad information, and hopefully he puts something good out here soon. But it doesn't look like there's any good information to give on that conference or any of the conferences over there. It really does look like they are just cannibalizing their own churches that happen to be worth something. This church, I looked them up on UM Data. Org. You can go there yourself. Dina Wolf was the last pastor that they had, and they talk about her on the, uh, the website they put together. But when you look at them, they're not a huge church. I mean, they're bigger than my churches that I serve, but they were paying 100% apportionments. You know, this is something that people often will bring up. Well, maybe they were bad covenant partners. Maybe they hadn't been paying their apportionments for a long time. No, these guys, they were paying 100% apportionments. And uh, they, they seem to have been a church that, that could maintain at least. Uh, I, I didn't know what to make exactly of the, the, the quote from the previous article saying maybe they, they couldn't maintain long-term, but the question, part what, there are several questions here. One is, does a church get to determine the terms on which it declines? And 
it seems pretty obvious to most people. Yeah, but whenever you have this connectional system that has become self-interested, then they can uh, metabolize your church if they so choose. doesn't matter what's going on. You know, uh, I, I try not to do too much partisan invective because I know it turns a lot of people off, but you've just got to see the irony of this where they acknowledge like, okay, COVID did us in. And you saw this like, um, I think the facetious term is COVIDianism or co- branch COVIDians. Uh, but people who were just so concerned about COVID that they did not gather for worship, that they did everything synthetically from home. And you found, you know, on the other side of COVID that a lot of churches lost their integrity. The more that churches got into the COVID scare, the less that was left when they got back together. And so that's something that maps onto the left-right thing in our country quite a bit. But also the schism in the United Methodist Church also maps onto this left-right thing as well, where people on the left, liberals, generally didn't care about traditional teachings, wanting to uh, replace them with the, the modern orthodoxy around um, sexual orientation and sexual identity. Um, and that's just... Uh, to people like me, you have to understand, you know, the whole por- point of this channel is to explain things from a conservative perspective, and to conservatives, like, we look at this and we go, yeah, this is this is what happens whenever you swallow these ideologies whole. They cause death and destruction, and that's not something that I wish on them. That's just the natural byproduct of... Um, these beliefs, they, they, you can believe all kinds of crazy things with good intentions, but the reality is a lot of these beliefs just generate bad fruit. And so um, one would like to think, you know, here's, here's what I would have thought. If I was a liberal person in the United Methodist Church, I would think, hey, I align with the leadership of this, this organization. I'm on board. I'm on the right side of history. Surely they will play ball with me as me and my church struggle. And that is a bad assumption to make because they don't care about you. One of the things about modern far-left progressivism, I'm not talking about just liberalism in general, but far-left progressivism, their currency is not truth, it's power, okay? And whatever meets the agenda, the overall goal is right, and it doesn't matter how you go about it. And so that's how you kind of explain how the United Methodist leadership is behaving right now, the lack of uh, morals, uh, scruples, the, the fact that they're willing to elevate their own uh, comfort over the needs of individual communities that built these buildings and accumulated these assets over the course of uh, decades or centuries. How do you explain that? Well, it's, it's the ends justify the means. The, the thing we're aiming at is this brave new world where sexuality, gender, identity, they're all amorphous and blended together and they don't mean anything, and we have turned the page on the old draconian ways of uh, sexual binary and and gender and and all these strictures of oppressive white males. Like, this is is the, whether or not they're thinking about it overtly, like, this is the overall agenda it fits into, and you go, man, if I'm just on the right side of history, they will protect me and my people, and the answer is no, not, not if you can be metabolized to feed the beast that is advancing this agenda, that is accumulating this power, that is taking it from our enemies. Um, and so that's what you, you see here. Um, here's the follow-up report from the local news station about the, the protest that they put together this last Sunday. 
They tried to get the congregation to vote uh, to sell the building. They refused to do so. Um, so apparently they saw that as a threat and felt like they needed to come and close us immediately. Tonight, officials with Trinity United Methodist Church sharing more information on the reasons behind the sudden closure. Good evening, I'm Kendall Bartley. Brandon Kimmerman is off tonight. Now that closure initially announced November 19th abruptly shut down all worship services going forward. Members of the congregation hosted a protest on Sunday voicing their frustration with the decision alongside a website breaking down the community's perspective on the closure. We recognize that Trinity United Methodist Church in Eugene was not closed in typical circumstances, right? This wasn't taken to the annual conference for a vote. This was closed under exigent circumstances, which we are allowed to do under our United Methodist Book of Discipline. So uh, you see him do this all this all the time going, yeah, we know it looks bad, but the Book of Discipline says that we can do it. So, you know, nothing to see here, right? <laughs> Now Caldwell and other church officials say those circumstances involve undermining church leadership and a toxic environment that made it difficult to elect new leadership. A chief concern of many following the closure announcement is the humanitarian services offered by We Trinity. are working with Egan um, and the Fish Food Pantry. So it isn't that I, I don't care about uh, nonprofits, but it's just, you know, this is something that, that comes with the territory and of course, the conference is saying we're going to make provision for the nonprofits left behind, and we'll see. You know, nobody's going to be looking and following up on this in a year. It really is amazing that local news even picked this up. I, it's great, but you better believe that's the only reason the conference even responded and, and did an interview. So the, the, the picture that the conference paints is the local congregation. They were just recalcitrant. They used the word toxic. They, they, they just wouldn't work with local leadership, they're just really hard to get along with, you know, and you just can't, you know, for people like me, I don't like toxic churches. I, I, I do think you should close toxic churches. I don't think, you know, if you can't have a culture of grace and generosity, then you're not the church, you know. So is there another side to this story? Uh, finally, we have the, uh, the website, savetrinityeugene.org. So um, here's, <laughs> they have the video here. They have, uh, our church is under attack. We're one of the more progressive congregations in Eugene. We've hosted the Egan Warman Center, uh, Fish Food Pantry, Trinity Free Store, count countless others, countable others. <laughs> Not countless, countable. Yeah, that's a better word. They're trying to sell our building out from under us in bold. All right, so here's the story. A pair of ministers, Dina Wolf and Terry Watanabe, who had, have recently facilitated the sales of three other United Methodist churches in Lane County, <laughs> were recently appointed to our church, Trinity UMC in Eugene. For people who aren't familiar with the mainline history, this there are certain clergy, not just in the United Methodist Church, but uh, here in the town I serve in, Nowata, there was a, a PCUSA, Presbyterian Church USA, that was the liberal mainline Presbyterians that, that the PCA split off of a couple decades ago now. But they, they started uh, using these clergy to come in and close down churches and, and sell the property off. And so they sent one of these here to Nowata and they chased her out and then they just refused to give any uh, new clergy and, and the building sits mostly empty every, every Sunday. This has happened all over these mainline churches. They, they realize they're not growing. They, they have uh, what I would call mule theology. You know, uh, mules can't procreate, they can't reproduce, but they can take up space. 
And that's what a lot of these church denominations are. So rather than just die, they start metabolizing individual members so that they can then uh, promote themselves long-term, like is, is going on here. So you have these clergy that have track records of closing churches down, and so when they get sent to a new church, gee, do you wonder if maybe there is an agenda here? Uh, in the other churches they sold, this is back to the website if you're listening only, and also at Trinity, they had visions from, quote, spirit guiding them to ask the congregations to make extensive upgrades and renovations to their buildings. Shortly after the repairs are finished, Spirit, in, uh, again in quotations, will again visit them, this time encouraging them to sell their buildings and sign all remaining assets over to the conference district. The conference district is headed by the same person who appoints them each and every time. This person's name is John Tucker. He was the guy and he's, he's the DS who just shut the building down. The district superintendent for the Crater Lake District of the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference. So here's the, uh, the meeting date uh, announcement that got sent out. But here what they're establishing is there is uh, an incentive structure in play where all the different parties benefit from closing these different churches because the money that uh, gets rendered then gets spread around those who are uh, left behind. And then who cares about those who have been kicked out of their building, right? Trinity UMC in Oregon, uh, Eugene, Oregon, has been there since 1950. It's one of the only churches in the area still willing to host the Egan Warming Center, a life-saving cold war uh, weather emergency shelter. It also hosts the Fish Food Pantry, which, which hundreds of families count on to have enough food for the month. Trinity also runs the only free store in Lane County. So, yeah, it's, it's worth asking, are these things somehow magically going to find a new home? Last year, Pastor Dina convinced the congregation to hire an outreach minister named Terry Watanabe, using its endowment funds that were earmarked for building maintenance. So that's unethical, by the way, um, to use funds for reasons that they weren't designated. Instead of doing outreach, which was the new designated thing, so she doesn't do the old designated thing, doesn't do the new designated thing, Terry did what she has apparently done to at least three other UMCs in the area. And so then they linked to an article I haven't looked at um, describing her role in another church. She convinced them to pay for a very expensive building renovation that increased the value of the property. And each time, Spirit comes to her and tells her to do these things. Shortly after the renovations, Spirit will again visit Miss Watanabe, this time telling her that it's time to sell the church building to a pre-selected buyer of the Spirit's choosing. I think Okay, so when I first read this, I read the Holy Spirit as them just saying they don't believe that it was the Holy Spirit, which, you know, that's a valid, you know, in the scriptures we're told that we have to discern the spirits, you know, we have to discern when someone makes a prophecy, is that really the Holy Spirit speaking? But I'm wondering, with the last name Watanabe, I, I thought that was a Japanese last name, but if, if what Jeremy Smith heard was that this was a Native American and she's talking about spirit, not the spirit or the Holy Spirit, then I'm wondering if there's some kind of like appeal to Native American spiritualism that these white folks can't say boo about. You know, I, I, it doesn't say anything about a racial element, but the fact that it's in scare quotes does say that they don't believe that it was real, that the, the spirit she's following is the spirit of mammon, the spirit of, of prophet. All right, so could these ministers 
be brought up on charges through the UMC? Yes, actually. The Book of Discipline protects Methodist churches from unordained clergy committing fiscal malfeasance against them. So I guess Watanabe was not ordained. I think that's the implication there. Trinity recently held a town hall to discuss a survey that was taken asking congregants how they would feel about closing the church and selling the building. The vast majority answered resoundingly no to both. The ministers gloss over the surveys and immediately pivot into a sales pitch in which they ineffectively but aggressively try to convince these elderly people that they want to sell the church to a specific buyer in the next two months and that it was all their idea. The many objections from the congregation are silenced while Terry allows a representative from a 4J school to talk about the length, about how they need to build the building more, uh, how they need the building more than the congregation does. So the general feeling here being they're they're being railroaded, and they're these poor nice old people that are getting bullied by these two clergy women. You know, a lot of people wanted to imagine if you had women become clergy that you would have more sensitivity from the pulpit. Evil doesn't know any gender. You know, manipulation doesn't know any gender. Men and women alike can uh, be very manipulative and abusive in positions of power. I mean, I guess the church could be lying through their teeth, and they could just be making up lies. That does happen sometimes. However, this this fits a certain profile, a certain pattern. Do you remember with, um, heck, what church was it? It was a Surf City Church. Yeah, it was a Surf, it was a surf City Church. There, the DS talked to another local clergy person who had another United Methodist Church a, a close drive away, just started spreading lies about the Surf City Church from the pulpit. If you haven't seen that report, you, you should really check it out. It's just asinine, asinine the way these people behave. So then it talks about Coburg UMC. It was in Eugene. It was a living progressive church in the Coburg neighborhood. When representatives from the Crater Lake District tried to convince them to sell their building, the congregation said no. This angered the likes of Terry Watanabe and Joe, John Tucker, who then forcibly closed the church down. So this is the woman that was hired to be the outreach coordinator, and then the DS. That This is something that had already happened before. The church, though still reeling from COVID shutdowns, was very much still functioning in terms of finances, attendance, and ministries. The Crater Lake District took the building where the Coburg UMC Church had served the community for over 100 years and turned it into a bookstore. Oh, that's a nice picture they have there complete with its own pastor, in scare quotes. The uh, congregation had al already had a pastor who, by all accounts, wanted to continue the church and its ministries. This was all stolen from them. Instead of housing the homeless and holding worship services, the beautiful sanctuary of this church now holds shelves of secular books being sold for profit. The district promised Coburg Church that they would honor their legacy and continue to be a vital resource to the Coburg community. This was a lie. And Trinity now faces the same fate. Our reporting is confirmed with a representative of the 4J School District that they are no longer interested in purchasing Trinity's building. We thank every single community member who supported the stopping of that sale. Now it appears that the church is still very much under attack. So that's all the uh, content I had for us to look at here. I'm going to have links to all these things in the show notes if you want to check them out for yourself. Maybe check out some of the other articles linked, but um, I'll begin with this final, you know, thought coming back to where I began. Can you imagine what this is like? And so the 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 last thing, and I don't, I don't want to be cruel, you know, a lot of people in this church, they adopted the Reconciling Ministries line because they wanted to minister to the next generation. Maybe there were a lot of people in this community who knew 
that it did not honor God for them to adopt the critical gender theory line, but they thought, hey, this is just one doctrinal thing, and maybe it'll help us reach the neighborhood better. Maybe it'll help us reach young people better. Maybe it'll position us for ministry and mission better. You know, maybe maybe it's the poison pill you swallow. You know, I'm trying to be generous here. Maybe they were a bunch of heretics. I don't know. There, but I do know a lot of older folks within the church who think that in order to win young people, you've got to sell out on some of your integrity. You know, so maybe that's what they did. But the thing is, the Bible means something. Christian scriptures mean something. Christian tradition means something. These things are a consistent witness throughout the ages. And whenever you, you compromise that, you take away from that, whenever you upend that, you invert that, you pervert that, you know, there are a lot of different words we could use. When you do those things, then you lose all integrity. You know, and I'm sure there's Roman Catholics watching me and going, man, this guy. <laughs> but, I mean, here's the thing, you know, you, the, the dream of Methodism was to restore primitive Christianity, to tap into the authentic nature of Christianity, not invent something new, not go into a brave new future, but to go back to that which is old and eternal. And whenever you're not doing that as a church, then what you're doing is participating in something ephemeral, something married to the spirit of the age or the spirit and the power of the wind. Um, and that means that you're going to end in destruction. And really, this is, this is maybe a blessing for the people of Trinity because they get a chance to wake up and go, man, we misunderstood the nature of the forces we were dealing with here. The ones you really got to feel sorry for are the ones that don't don't have to wake up anytime soon, and they get to be drunk off the wealth that comes from metabolizing these churches, you know, and they think they're on the right side of history, and they think all of a sudden all these people are going to start flowing in because they chased all the mean conservatives out, and now they're the church of love and acceptance. It's, it's all so many lies from the evil one, you know. This is, this is the fruits. This is what happens whenever you embrace death over life, whenever you em embrace a worldly narrative over uh, the heritage you have in Christ Jesus. So um, that said, I still really feel for these people. I can't imagine what it's like for the DS to come in and, and end things that way, to see these clergy coming in and their love of filthy lucre, and to see it and call it out for what it is, and then for it to just end in them going, okay, well, if you're not going to play ball, uh, find someplace else to worship. And that's how it ends. And that, I think, is a good um, metaphor for mainline denominationalism in America right now. I would love to be wrong on this. Hey, you know what? This is the time where I invite you, if you disagree with me, politely, intelligently, put it in the comments. Uh, feel free to share this with other people who can do the same thing. If you agree with me, if you think this is useful, helpful, share it, like it. Um, if you think I'm, I'm generally just a helpful person, you can go over to my uh, locals page. It's at plainspoken.locals.com, and you can become a supporter there, and that just helps me do this more. Um, I enjoy it. I, I hope it's useful to you. And uh, I guess if, if you're going to pray in response to this, which I would always have people pray, pray for these communities that really need to re-examine their ideological moorings and how much they might have sold out the heritage of Christ in order to um, have a future that doesn't exist. So I, I pray for a repentance for those churches left in the United Methodist Church. It's partly why I'm doing what I'm doing here. I want to build up the Global Methodist Church but I also want to, you know, there are a lot of churches left behind in the United Methodist Church that are now vulnerable to these bigger powers that will use their power over them because they're on the right side of history. And that's, that's a bad situation. Let's pray for them. All right, I'll cut things off now. God bless you. I'll, uh, I'll see you soon.